This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times where we analyze the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. Hi, I'm Audrey Tan and I cover science and environments for The Straits Times. My co-host is David Fogarty. Hi, I'm David and I'm the climate change editor at The Straits Times. Our topic today is on recovering from the economic fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic with a focus on sustainability. Joining us on this episode is Singapore Management University Assistant Professor of Strategic Management, Simon Skillibakes. Welcome to the show, Simon. Audrey, David, very nice to be here. I was wondering if we could turn the focus now to Singapore. What, in your opinion, is a sector or are sectors in which we could see like the greatest growth here? Ah, this is a great question. Let me say this, like Singapore is small. It's a very, very small country. So everything that Singapore does that is limited to stay within its borders is almost pointless. It's not going to have a significant impact on the climate. So we have to set our goals on Southeast Asia and just more ambitious on the rest of the world and be audacious and bold in how we envisage problems and how we tackle solutions. And the best way I think we can do this is really to lead by example. And in order to do that, we need to set these reach goals that are so ambitious that we don't yet know how to achieve them. And this is quite anathema to the Singapore mentality. Let me give you an example. Back in 2015, I published a paper together with the dean of the business school, Jerry George, and Teng Litliak, who was at the time the chairman of the National Environment Agency here in Singapore. And in a casual conversation I had with uh, Teng Litliak, he mentioned that he was kind of envisaging Singapore as a country in which no single ray of sunshine that reached the land would go to waste, so that we could use the incredible energy of the sun that falls on the country in a productive way. Now, this is, of course, an incredibly powerful, but also very ambitious vision. But I think that is the kind of vision we would really need right now. So we need to set these really bold goals within Singapore and then try to figure out how can we export them to other countries or how can we get other countries to follow in our footsteps. And if you think about the core capabilities that Singapore has as an economy or as a country, we can think about good governance, finance and trading, oil and gas industry, and then shipping. And so good governance is going to remain a key strength. And that's going to make sure that Singapore remains a very attractive place to live, to do business, and to attract talent from other countries, from other places in the world. So the question isn't just what is the kind of talent we want to attract? Well, it's going to be probably talent that has a sustainability mindset and that can contribute to these new types of industries that are emerging. On the other hand, we have finance and trading. They are undergoing revolutionary changes with blockchain and fintech, but Singapore has proactively embraced it. And we see organizations like, for instance, my own nonprofit, the Global Mangrove Trust, that is now in the finals of MAS Fintech Awards. In terms of they were working with a variety of partners, most of which are based in Singapore, to create solutions that are ultra-scalable in order for reference, what we are working on is to address problems that are inherent in many of the reforestation projects. And so these types of industries that support creating solutions for complex problems are probably going to be housed in Singapore or can easily be housed in Singapore because you have an intelligent population, you have a very strong governance infrastructure, uh, you have international companies that want to come here. All of these things are going to remain in place. The oil and gas industry is a little bit trickier, but as I mentioned before, the core capabilities in terms of 
complex project management that they have in terms of managing long-term projects in difficult environments, often in countries with weaker institutions. This is some of the core skill set that oil and gas companies have developed over decades and decades. And these skills are incredibly relevant when you think about doing a complex restoration project. And so for me personally, the most interesting conversations I have had about restoration and reforestation projects in the last six months have all been with oil companies. Because you see, they are really changing the way they're thinking about these things and they are seeing big opportunities in this space. So I see for Singapore, with our core capabilities in finance and trading, finance and trading is going to remain extremely important, especially when carbon becomes more and more commoditized as an asset group. And so I'm personally also involved with a couple of partners here in Singapore that were trying to work on this as part of Singapore's Emerging Stronger Together task force. So that involves DBS, that involves the Singapore Stock Exchange, that involves commodity brokers. Lots of different partners are interested in this space and trying to turn Singapore into a hub for carbon services, for carbon credits, for just integrating positive impact like reforestation and carbon absorption into processes. So all of this is already happening here. And I think these are going to be very strong growth sectors. And then the shipping industry is potentially the most complex one. Another core capability of Singapore, one of our drivers of our economy here, with increasing nationalism in some countries around the world. International trade is not going to stop. And as a consequence, shipping is not going to stop. As long as we as a country don't try to imitate what other countries have been doing, because they've been successful and then say like, oh, we need to do something like this because that has worked somewhere else. But as long as we focus on our core competences that we already have and tweak those so that they really fit and add to this greener economy, I think we can be very successful. An example of this is, for instance, like if you think the Netherlands. So the Netherlands is a very small country. It's the biggest food exporter in the world, which is an incredible accomplishment for a country that is very densely populated and very, very small. And so you have first the United States and then the Netherlands as the biggest food exporters in the world. So that means that you can be small and still have a massive impact. And I think the Netherlands have done this because they have a very long history of innovation in agriculture. Of course, Singapore doesn't have that. We have this goal of becoming for 30% self-sustainable when it comes to food production, which is a good goal, but we shouldn't drive our industrial policy, put all our money into achieving this goal because we're never going to catch up with the Netherlands. We should really think about what are our core competencies as a nation? What is it that Singapore, apart from all its surrounding countries and even from all the other leading economies in the world, and we should double down on those capabilities and those skills now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our conversation with Assistant Professor Simon Skilibix from the Singapore Management University on what a green recovery means for Singapore. So Simon, let's bring this back a little bit closer to you. You're founder of a social enterprise that helps companies make a positive environmental impact with their sales. And the social enterprise is called Handprint Tech. Could you tell us a little bit about that? And also, perhaps tell us about jobs that are being developed in this sort of area. Absolutely. So, Handprint, as an organization, we say we're on a mission to make every purchase contribute to a more sustainable future. And so, what Handprint does is to make it very easy for companies to integrate some kind of positive impact into their business processes. 
And so when we say positive impact, it could be reforestation, it could be plastic removal from the ocean, it could be supporting an education project, it could be coral reef reconstruction. And by integrating it into business processes, we are primarily focused right now on sales and specifically on e-commerce sales. So we've created a widget, which is a plugin that every company that uses WooCommerce or Shopify, which are the two biggest e-commerce technology platforms in the world. So every company that uses one of those can basically integrate with Handprint and make their checkout process what we call earth positive or climate positive. So what does that concretely mean? Like if you own like a small website where you have some kind of e-commerce platform and you sell t-shirts you're making or you're selling some kind of product and you, you use WooCommerce or you use Shopify, you can integrate with Handprint and you can add some kind of positive impact that you choose on our platform. Let's say I'm going to donate 1% of the revenue that I generate via my e-commerce platform to a good cause. And I want to communicate that to my consumers. And so our widget makes that possible uh, and very seamlessly so that it integrates into this sales process. And so we're starting with e-commerce, but we can also think about doing exactly the same. And we have been talking with, for instance, with hotel chains where they are interested in telling their guests like, okay, we are doing actually a lot for the environment in order to protect, of course, the natural environment in the vicinity of the hotel. And so some hotels are supporting them a variety of non-profits or social enterprises that are, for instance, doing mangrove reforestation or coral reef reconstruction. And so uh, hotels have approached us and saying like, we want to find a better way of communicating our efforts with our clients. And so what we can do is create a QR code, put that QR code in every hotel room and enable the guests to scan this QR code on a daily basis. And every time they scan this, so they can only do it once a day, then basically the hotel will say, well, thanks for staying another day in our hotel, your night in the hotel, uh, which costs, I don't know, $150 or something, has contributed $2 to this reforestation project. And what Handprint allows the hotel to do is to give the digital ownership of this reforestation project, so maybe one tree, to the individual. So that the individual also can have this positive feeling like, hey, okay, I stayed five days in a hotel, but my stay there has actually planted 10 trees and I am now the digital owner of these 10 trees and I can go on the platform and I can see how much carbon these trees are going to absorb over time and I can see that these trees are surviving. And if you compare this to how you would normally donate to an NGO, you very rarely get any real in-depth information of what happens with your money. It's all a little bit of a black box. It's pretty intransparent, right? Via Handprint, what we're trying to do is make this entire process extremely transparent so that if you as a brand or if you as a consumer contribute to some good cause, you will know exactly what percentage of your contribution is reaching the local community or the local person that is planting the tree. And you will be able to get a picture from that person when they're working in the forest planting trees, and you will be able to get regular updates from the same community that is managing that project. And by establishing this peer-to-peer -peer connection, we hope that not only people will be more incentivized to support positive impact, but also that the positive impact itself will become much more credible, which would then hopefully lead to a positive uh, spillover effect so that we get more and more of this positive impact. That is what Handprint is trying to do. And instead, we're doing it with e-commerce, we're doing it with hotels, and basically any kind of business that interacts with consumers 
in the next couple of months, we'll be able to interact with Handprint and use our platform in order to integrate some kind of positive impact into their sales processes. So that's definitely interesting. And I understand that Handprint Tech is now hiring as well? Yes. So we are a company here. We are set up in Singapore. Um, three of the founders are we're all foreigners. So two are working on an EP here. And the third one is in Bangkok. And so right now we are growing our team. So we are looking to hire a sales associate. We're looking to hire a chief happiness officer. We are looking for a UI UX designer. We're looking for product manager and we're looking for a head of sales as well. What is a chief happiness officer? It's actually a very important role, and it's the first role that we formally published on My Careers, the website on the government and on Indeed. So a chief happiness officer has a dual role. So they are in charge of making sure that internally everything is working well in the company. So they basically need to touch base with different people that are working in the company, figure out what's going on. And so they need to have a very good overview of what everyone is working on, make sure that there are no latent issues or something. And also they need to know what's going on with consumers and so with our clients. And so they have this role in terms of that kind of relates to marketing. It relates a little bit to sales. It relates to HR and hiring. And how do you make sure that the people that we hire are going to fit in the team? so that we can create a positive team environment. But how do we also avoid that we're going to hire another Belgian guy? While I might have a temptation to do that because we're going to be quite similar and it's going to be good to work with someone who thinks in a similar way, but you want to get diversity in the team. So the chief happiness officer really has this important operational management role that we think is extremely important and they do a little bit of everything. So we described it, I think, in our job vacancy as a Swiss knife. So they have to be able to do a little bit of everything. They have to be very positive, optimistic, being able to keep their finger on the pulse. So thank you, Simon, for joining us today and demystifying the concept of green recovery for us. You're very welcome. Happy to come back whenever you want. (laughs) (laughs) For more on what the global green recovery really means, don't miss the first of our two-part episode on this issue. That's a wrap for Green Pulse and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.